I'm Jacob Rodriguez, Editor-in-Chief of the University Star, and you're listening to a University Star podcast. Around here, when you win, it isn't good enough. You know, but when you lose, damn sure ain't good enough. So, so what is good enough? You guys need to tell us what is good enough. I guess you get paid to cause controversy, but in this locker room, we're not going to help that call. You, you write that in the paper. You write that. You make money off that. You're carrying on like a legacy, like your last name, you know? The people that did this in the 80s, they weren't doing it just because, oh, they thought it was a cool hairdo. No, they were doing it because they were badass. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Cats Got Our Tongues. We're on episode 31, second week back in the spring semester. I'm Claire Partain, the host and the sports editor at The Star. You can follow me on Twitter, shameless plug, at Partain underscore Claire. And I'm here with Cade Andrews. Where can people follow you at? People can follow me at Cade underscore Andrews. That's Cade with the C. So just plain and simple. Spell that exactly how it sounds. Exactly how it sounds, guys. And so as you know, Cade Andrews is our basketball expert. And we're going to talk about our Louisiana sweep, the women's first win, and this week's two games. So what happened last weekend? So yeah, it was a big weekend for Texas State basketball. You know, Texas, our men's team, they fell to UT Arlington. The question is, how are they going to respond? They came back and got two big victories. They beat Louisiana Lafayette and Louisiana Monroe. And Louisiana Monroe, if you recall last time, they beat them by one point. And the question is, how are they going to, you know, are they going to be able to beat them again? Mm -hmm. They did. They won by 20. But despite the fact that they won by 20, it was a lot closer game than the score would, uh, you know, uh, indicate. Yeah, I heard that the first half, I wasn't there, but the first half it seemed like – you know, it was really close. And weren't we behind, actually? I think we were, we were down by, like, seven yeah. at the first half. And it, then we scored 47 points in the second half. I think held them to 21. Woo! So, yeah, it was a really good weekend for the Bobcats. And really cool is that uh, with that, for the regular season, all Louisiana teams we've beat every time. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, a season sweep. And this was our first time beating Lafayette in, you know, this was a few weeks ago in Lafayette. And so we beat them there and here. We beat Monroe there and here, and now we are tied for third in the conference. Yeah, so we're doing pretty good. Uh, what's coming up this week? This week, well, tonight, you know, right at 6, real soon, we're playing Coastal Carolina. And a little recap of that game. Uh, we were down at halftime against them here in San Marcos, but we came back. I think we outscored them 44-23 to to uh, seal a 12-point victory against them. But, yeah, that was a real close one. And they have us as a two-point favor right now, so this one might, might come down to the wire tonight. Yeah, so everybody should come out. Uh, wait, no, it's away. I'm so sorry, guys. I forgot that women's is here and men's is actually away. So if you have ESPN Plus, tune in uh, to see these guys because they're tied for third in conference. It's a big deal. And I think one thing we should highlight is uh, Nigel Pearson did not. He did not have a good game these past two yeah. games, and we still managed to win. And uh, I think that shows a lot about this team is the fact that our star player didn't show up. You know, he, he had eight points. The next game he had like 10 points. But yeah. he shot, you know, he went like two of 16. And that is, that's not good. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, especially not what we expect from Nigel Pearson. And we've had many other guys step up. Shelby Adams had two good games. He is, you know, the X factor. He shut he shut down ULM's best player, holding him to four points in the second half. He scored double digit, digits both games. I'm um, excited to see if he can keep it up tonight. Yeah, I saw a lot about him in the recaps and stuff. It seems like he's really shining through. And what do you think's going on with Nigel? Is he just kind of slumping right now, or what do you think's going on through his head? I just think teams have have you know doubled down on him, you know, do- double teamed him, mm-hmm. and just really you know emphasized the importance of guarding him. And so they've made it tough on him. They've done a good job, 
And uh, hopefully, you know, these other guys can continue to step up. And hopefully Nigel can, you know, find another rhythm. But, event- you know, he's he's had very good games lately. So, eventually it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Let's hope he just got his bad games out of the way. He plays well tonight. Yeah, for sure. And we've obviously got a lot of other players to support him through this, no matter what happens. So, that's really cool. Um, another thing, if y'all were really depressed for, like, eight weeks straight about women's basketball – that is no more, guys. Yeah, they finally won. They finally won. It was amazing. UTA, and they won by a lot too. Yeah, yeah. It was really good. A really good game. Um, and to UTA, which we would consider maybe our rivals, if anyone, you know. So that's kind of cool. And so they, you know, I really think this team is a lot better than what their record would say. Mm-hmm. They've blown seven fourth quarter leads. They they really should be five hundred in conference. They should be, you know, they should not be having the record that they do. Yeah, that's the thing is uh what like were you saying? One and eight or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, one and eight. Yeah, that's the thing is they always uh like just couldn't finish. They would have like really great first halves and then finally at this UTA game, I guess it came together. Uh what do you think's going on? Do you think that that means that like are we gonna win every single game now? Are we gonna what do you what's your preview for that? Well, I think the confidence level has definitely rose because I was at that game. I don't know mm-hmm. if you were, but no, it's not. They definitely like you know they did not play like they were you know a one or you know a winless conference team. They showed energy, they showed hustle, and when they won, you know they, you could see the relief in their face and then, like the excitement. And I'm just hoping they you know continue with that tonight against Coastal Carolina. They're also playing Coastal, so yeah, and they're here tonight, and then they also play here on Saturday against Appalachian State against App State. So come see them. They're kind of on fire now perhaps we'll see um, yeah that is uh to be determined but yeah. you know hopefully they get it done tonight and yeah. last time i think they lost it i mean obviously they lost the coastal last time but i think they were up this is one of the games that they were up and i i think i remember checking the score and i was like okay they should win this mm-hmm. and i checked the final score and saw they lost so i mean this team is not you know coastal carolina they're not you know that much better than us i think we could win tonight i think we got it in the bag let's Hope, let's pray, and let's be there. Let's show out for these guys. You know, just like last weekend, let's hope this is a successful weekend for Tech State basketball. Exactly. Uh, you got anything else, Cade? Uh, that is it. That's it. All right, so support Texas State basketball. Thanks for coming in, Cade. Next, I'm going to bring in Colton McWilliams, our new assistant editor, and we're going to talk about the National Signing Day and softball playing the Olympic team this weekend. Thanks, Cade. Thanks once again. All right, so now I've got Colton McWilliams, the new assistant editor. Everybody clap. It's been a long time coming. I just thought he was graduating sooner or else he would have been my assistant a long time ago. <laughs> so congrats, Colton. Um, and where can people follow you at? Uh, people can follow me at, at Colton B. Mac uh, uh, t- on Twitter. And then on Instagram, if you are brave, you can follow <laughs> me at uh, Maverick Cassidy. And I kind of keep my Instagram kind of... Like not my Instagram and Twitter profiles are like really different because on my Instagram that's where I do a lot of cosplays and all of that oh, stuff. So you'll see, interesting. yeah, like you won't see a whole lot of sports on there. But mm-hmm. like if you're interested in cosplay and all of that stuff, I do a lot of cosplay stuff. So, but if you want to follow like sports news and all of that stuff, definitely follow me on Twitter. Yeah, he has a cool like uh, alias. Maverick Cassidy. So that is Colton. Don't worry. It's just like this, like, yeah, that's it's why, a sports alter ego or something. Yeah, that's why I switched my uh, my at name to Colton B. Mag so, like, people, so people, know, know. people know who I that That's who I am and all of that. Yeah, stuff. you actually confused me for a few months <laughs> whenever, like, you were following me and then you would, like, tweet stuff at me and, like, retweet stuff that I would be into. And I'd be like, who is this guy? But we finally found out. And I didn't know you had an Instagram, so I'll follow you there. Okay. 
Okay, but let's get into it. So we had football national signing day on yesterday. We got to talk to Jake Spavadol. He had a lot of stuff to say. Uh, 18 recruits. Mm-hmm. 40% of the coaching staff is new. So a lot's going on. It's a literally like a night and day. We had we had an argument yeah, in, the, in the news car. Not with like just random people just talking about, but like it literally is like a night and day comparison when you really think about how this team's going to be w- really different. I mean, offensively, we're going to have we're we are going to have a new quarterback. Mm-hmm. I firmly believe like Brady White is going to take that position. Wide receiver wise, like like so we got a lot of good wide receivers. Yeah. On this list, including Jacob Horn, for and for all of you people who don't know, he is actually the son of Joe Horn, and like Joe Horn is mostly remembered for making that infamous like cell phone celebration call when he finds the cell phone underneath the goalpost and pretends to be making a call. Oh, uh, that's cool. <laughs> so it, that is a really cool and so the offense is really going to take a big identity change and mm-hmm. like and on the defense you're really going to see it, see it because. We're replacing most of our defensive. Yeah, that was where our strength was. Yeah, we're replacing Brian London, who is the official Texas State all-time leading tackler and has the most tackles in a game. Yeah. Like, he meant so much to this program. And you're adding, like, Ish Davis and then a whole lot of all these defensive pieces that held, like, basically was holding a sinking ship with, like, seven, six holes in the hole. That was just gradually sinking, but the defense was just literally keeping this team in games for mm-hmm. the major, for basically the past two years, if you really think about it. Yeah, that was definitely like the one thing that Withers got right, and then that Spavadol got right this year. It seems like uh, was defense because we had really good players. Yes, we had like a real like London was like a first team All Sun Belt yeah. for like I think for two years, two three years. So yes, you're gonna see a a completely new defensive staff. Mm -hmm. And if you look at at this list and you're saying like, wow, there's a lot of junior college players on this list. It's because we need them now. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think coach Bavadal, he looked at this roster and was like, no, we can't, we can't rely on uh, freshmen and sophomores to step up. We like, this is a win now situation. We're not in a rebuilding year. This is a win now situation. And he does go into depth Talking, he did go into depth talking about this at National Signing Day. He was mm. like, yeah, we're in a win-now situation. Yeah, he's ready to go. And he also talked about with these junior college transfers and just in general, he's looking for big guys. And he found some. Yes, he found some really big guys. <laughs> yeah. Like, especially on the O-line. He said, yes. like, the average weight was, like, 290. <laughs> and he said, and you'll see, and you hear the clip where a clip or you know, later in this podcast, but he goes into depth saying, like, yes, we need linemen. Our old linemen last season were constantly, like, bullied mm-hmm. because they were so underweight. They were so, like, height-wise and weight-wise, they were so underdeveloped that it was just easy for, like, opposing Sunbelt defenses to just, you know, push them around and get to the quarterback, which was kind of the main reason why the Texas State offense failed yeah. over the especially later in the season. It was just like our old, how he said it, our old lineman was constantly underweight, under height, and they were constantly bullied. So now he brings in a lot of big guys into like, like I said, the average weight between these five recruits is like 290. 290 Which is a lot. A big dude. It is a lot of big weight beef being thrown around. And like the height, I think it's like everyone's over at least six foot. Yeah, he said that everyone's tall too. 
So they did. He did a him and Jacob Peeler. I don't think we give Jacob Peeler enough credit, considering he came in like late, late in the season. But he immediately got off the ground running. Yeah, dude. he did. And that was, and it was an amazing story how he told. You know, he was on. He was the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin comes in, fires him. He immediately calls Jake Spavadol. All of this happening on the day his child's being born. Yeah, it's a it, it is really story. one of the craziest stories I've heard. <laughs> so much happening in one day for this guy. Oh, and another thing that's kind of crazy about Jacob Peeler and two of the other coaches is they came from Cal, which is where Spavadol's from. So, yeah, that is one of the weirdest. It's basically, I guess you could say, like, they're basically getting the, exa- the Cal staff back together yeah. again. Yeah. So all of these coordinators that Coach Bavadol is hiring, all of them have, like, a connection to him some way. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of amazing. These three new coordinators that he hired all come from Cal. That 2016 Cal team that Spavadol was the offensive coordinator and Appealer was the wide receivers coach back yep. then. And they had, like, one of the most prolific offenses in the nation, despite being a five and seven record, yeah, I think he said like top seven. It or was a top, was it seven? yeah, it was a top seven offense. Yeah, so and that's it, it was cool. it was cool because and it's really cool seeing him get the staff back together because you would think if he talked about and Dad was like, I need to be around people that I know that I can mm-hmm. trust, and definitely going to that Cal connection was a really big deal, and so it's going to be really interesting to see like if he. Once he gets all of his staff together, the people that he knows, and plus he is calling the plays this year, how much this offense is going to turn around. Yeah. And uh, another thing that Colton mentioned a second ago uh, a little bit is that Brady McBride, so there were no quarterback recruits. Brady McBride no. is the guy. Yes, Brady McBride will be the guy going forward. I don't yeah. think I don't think anybody's going to be complaining about Brady McBride being the starter. I think everyone kind of had enough of, like, Gres Jensen and Tyler Vitt. Mm. It's, I know Jacob's going to be heartbroken listening to this about Vit Marcus, oh. but I do believe Vit Marcus is going to be dead when oh, once Brady yeah. McBride hits the field. He's got to let go, man. I kind of forgot Vit was here. Yeah, I, I can't. <laughs> oh. Vit's kind of just been there, like yeah. He was, I guess, his freshman year. He was with uh, Willie Jones, or mm. I think that, it is Willie Jones. Willie Jones, okay. And they kind of had this quarterback competition going. Kind of yeah. back and forth, but neither person never seemed to like. I guess a lot of people lean towards Willie Jones because he, I guess, he was the more athletic. He was a little better at running, I think. But... Yeah, I guess he was the more athletic of the two. And then once uh, the 2019 season came around, uh, everyone was like, "Well, can Tyler Vitt, you know, st- starve off like Gresh Jensen?" Yeah. Unfortunately, it took Gresh Jensen being concussed <laughs> to f- let Vitt finally be the dude. Yeah. But even at that, he never. It never seemed like he was the guy. It was just he made so many bad decisions, like so many interceptions being thrown. Yeah. Like it's bad when his best game came against South Alabama, who was like the worst team in the Sun Belt. Yeah. And it definitely. was like his one chance to shine. But other than that, he really didn't seem like he was the guy. I feel like he'd be a great quarterback to be at, like, a D2 school or something like that. Okay. I think he was just – is that rude? I think he was just never quite at the level of Sunbelt play. Yeah. No, I think that is a fair argument because, like, the stats don't lie. Like, no matter where you look at it, it, like, he just didn't perform to the way, like, we – to the way, like, Texas State needs to start winning. Yeah. And so that's going to be an interesting battle to see, like – 
can Tyler Vitt improve, or is it just going to be the Brady McBride show going forward? And I wonder. I wonder why he didn't join the transfer portal or something. I, I mean, maybe he's hoping to compete. I'm not yeah, saying I, he's bad because he does. Mm-hmm. He's had really good games, but he's also just had really bad situations. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay, so I guess we should leave the rest of the time. We're going to play a clip from the press conference. And we thought, as a staff, we wanted to be a bigger, <laughs> longer, more athletic team. All right, we have some talented kids, uh, don't get me wrong, but you know we have a lot of small body types out there. And uh, uh, we've always been a big believer, and I've learned this for a long time, that big people beat up little people. All right? This is football, and this is how it is. So we tried to get the biggest body types that we possibly could, and uh, I think we've done a good job at that. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, you look at where we were at with the coaching staff, you know, 40% of our staff will be new. Right. And I thought we did a great job with the communication on trying to find these guys when we knew that we were going to have changes at, at the coaching staff. And uh, it allowed me to bring in uh, five coaches, you know, three of them that are currently here that I'll discuss right now. And I got two more that were going through contract negotiations that I can't release publicly until that goes through. But I uh, got to hire a strength coach uh, named Damon Harrington. He was the head strength coach, which is kind of funny. These three guys that I'm about to talk about all were with me at the University of Cal. Um, so it's kind of like we're bringing the band back together in a way. Um, but Coach Harrington was our, our strength coach at Cal, the head strength coach. Uh, he's an elite guy. He has one of these unique abilities to be very demanding, uh, emphasize a toughness and accountability and a discipline in our players in the program and still have that quality trait where these kids will run through a wall for him. And uh, that's that's been the funnest part to see with uh, Coach Harrington because my year at uh, in 2016 at Cal was a memorable year because we did so much more with less and those kids played extremely hard and it all started with the strength and conditioning coach. So I, I ended up going with uh, Jacob Peeler as our offensive coordinator and our receiver coach who uh, was with me at Cal as well, where we were the number seven offense in the country. Uh, He is considered one of the top receiver coaches in the country. Uh, Came from Ole Miss. Um, I was the co-offensive coordinator receiver coach there. Uh, He has been ranked as a top 10 recruiter um, in the country as well by multiple recruiting sites. Uh, The thing that was was great for me was um, uh, he knows exactly how I think. It's been the easiest transition I've ever had with a coach. We're on the same level. We don't have to sit down and do installations as much as possible. He knows how to recruit. And uh, we'll talk about some of these recruits that he in- impacted uh, pretty heavily uh, for this recruiting class. So I'm um, fortunate to have him, uh, you know, consider him a good friend. Um, you know, and then obviously he's a really good coach. Um, brought in Brian Hamilton, who is our new tight ends coach. He was at the University of Cal as well with me. He was our assistant O-line coach. Um, did everything. He, he's a great person, a great family man, a great recruiter. He was a, a high school head coach in the state of California. He was our assistant O-line coach. He did all of our screen game, a really good recruiter. He was currently at Murray State in Murray, Kentucky as the assistant head coach and the, and the offensive line coach there. Um, but what's great is, is I, I'm bringing guys in that I'm really familiar with, that I know everything about. Um, they know how I think. They know how I work. Uh, which makes it a lot more easy and comforting for me, especially if I'm going to call plays next year. Um, so excited for those three guys to be here um, and have the fortunate to get, uh, fortunate enough to get them here now and be able to get 
through some recruiting with these guys. Right? And, and obviously talking about Coach Peeler, who's one of the better recruiters out there in the country, uh, he, we got to sit down, address some needs. We wanted to get some length at the receiver position. You're going to see that he brought in four receivers that are pretty long and uh, athletic and a, a different body type than what we're used to. But there was also, with all these changes with the coaches and the dialogue in January, uh, you can't discuss these right now, but we have a lot of preferred walk-ons that are committed to us right now that I thought this coaching staff has done a pretty good job at making sure we're all on the same page and, and filling needs and body numbers because we never filled the roster last year. We never hit, oh, like you can have 120 kids on our roster and we never really got over 110 guys throughout the course of the year. So uh, we're going to be at max capacity moving forward, which you know is all about addressing needs, which was depth, experience, and body types. And I, I think that we, we ended up doing that. And you talk about the signing class currently. Uh, we have 20 newcomers that we've got right now. And uh, seven of these guys are high school signees, and 13 of them are transfers, junior college transfers or uh, four-year college transfers. So that has to go with a lot of the mid-year stuff that we needed. All right, so we got a lot of these kids to transfer in mid-year. We have 11 of these guys currently here on campus that uh, are out there working and doing the installs and, and working towards our next class, which is comforting for me because that's when you say you look in uh, the team meeting that we've had. It's a brand-new team. You see 11 new faces, and you see 40% of your coaches that are new in, uh, uh, in the room. So um, 13 of these kids that were, that were signing today um, and what we signed in December are high school kids in the state of Texas. So that was uh, still important. We still had to go and, and, and kind of clip some guys off of different states. But majority of these kids are coming back to play in their home state. Um, I thought this was kind of an interesting deal uh, with our O-line height and weight with the guys that we were bringing in. All right, our average height and weight is six foot four and a half, two 292 pounds at the offensive line position. So we are getting bigger at that spot. And that's why you've heard me talk about the body types, the profile. That's what we were looking for. So six foot four and a half of the five offense linemen that we're bringing in that are at 292 pounds. The average receiver height with the four that we're bringing in is six foot two, 200 pounds is the weight. So you can see that we're increasing the length, the profile. You should see a bigger uh, profile team just at first glance when you see this team. And you look at the DBs that we brought in with three that we brought in, they're six foot one, 187 pounds is the, the average of those three right there. All right, so now we're going to talk about softball. They're starting their season this weekend, so that's really cool. Uh, and it's also a really exciting tournament that they're having. Yeah, so they're going to be going – unfortunately, I can't believe this tournament is – Do you know how to work on Stop it. I just was going to – Out there and see, like, how this team is going to do, but I guess we're just going to have to get on our ESPN Plus accounts and just watch the game. It's just not the same. No, it really isn't the same. But, no, this is going to be a really exciting tournament because other than their South Alabama, you know, opponent and starting off the season, they're going to be playing, like, a lot of big-name teams. Like, you're, after South Alabama, they're going to be playing Kentucky. And then on – what is it? On, on the Saturday, Saturday. Saturday, they're going to be playing Louisville and then playing Auburn. And, like, these aren't just your run-of-the-mill. Like, oh, no. we're talking about <laughs> – like big name schools mm -hmm. in the so in like softball. Uh, I mean, not in terms of like you know like a Texas or a o you know yeah. Oklahoma, but still, it's a some really big names that are recognizable, and that it'll be really interesting to see how, see how they perform and like if they step up to the challenge. Yeah, and uh, one thing that we were talking about this season is that Coach Wardard seems 
pretty confident in this team based on the schedule that she's put together. Yeah, like, no, if you were rebuilding a team, you wouldn't, you know, just run your team to, like, a bunch of teams like this. And yeah. Seeing the, no, I think Coach Woodard wants to see this team compete. I, she wants to see them, like, okay, we know we are good, so let's put our medal to the pedal, and, like, let's test our name against all these big-name schools. So it's going to be really interesting to see, like, how, they, how they're going to compete, how they're going to respond to, like, all these big-name schools. And speaking of big-name schools, so we've got all these, you know, SEC, we got our Sunbelt rival, we've got really big conference teams going on, and then we've got, on Sunday, the U.S. US Olympic, Olympic team. team. <laughs> yeah. It's... That that's probably the one game that I'm that I'm disappointed that I'm that we're gonna miss watch live, because not only we're playing the U.S. Olympic team, we're gonna reiterate this. Coach Kat Osterman is gonna be <laughs> pitching against our team. Our head, one of our assistant coaches is gonna be pitching against our team. So that's gonna be a really cool. It, it's just a really cool moment to see because, like yeah. we said, you never see this like in. Not only in softball, but like any sport. No, this is so rare. I mean, to play the Olympic team is already one thing. And then to play your own coach is another. It's just a whole other game. Like, it's so, I mean, I'm sure they've seen them in practice. And they, I mean, they said that uh, when I talked to them. And they also said, but they also said they were a little scared and really excited because Kat is no joke. You know, Cat is considered like the one of the greatest softball pitchers of all time. Yeah. Like, and it is no like you can talk to every softball like expert. Like, no, Cat is probably the best pitcher in U.S. Olympic history. Yeah. And that's probably just an understatement, to be honest. So not only are you facing your own coach, not only are you facing the Olympic team, but you're also going to be facing one of the greatest pitchers that have ever pitched in softball. Yeah, it's a really cool opportunity for the team. I mean, just a couple months before they go to Tokyo, they yeah. play Texas State. Yes, <laughs> so it's just going to be a really uh, – and I do invite y'all to go watch this game because, like, mm-hmm. it's an experience you probably never will see in, like, yeah. in a lifetime. So please go out there and support our Texas State softball team and also go support Cat for yes. the U.S. Olympic team. You can root for either team and you'll be supporting Texas State in a way so that's cool. And this is the one time I don't want Texas State to win because hopefully the U.S. Well, team luckily, is Well luckily I don't us. think this will count against our win-loss record. I think it's yeah. just an exhibition. Yeah. So it's just going to be fun to watch them, mm-hmm. watch the U.S. Olympic team play. It's just going to be a whole lot of fun. I think that's the most it is going to be fun just watching Cat possibly like strike everybody out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just imagine. I don't know. Yeah, so it's going to be really cool. If you don't have ESPN Plus, I would recommend to get it. We're not sponsored by ESPN Plus, but it's not but that if expensive. You, but if you want to go follow Texas State Athletics, especially basketball, women's basketball and volleyball. Yeah. It is something like you, if you are a hardcore Texas State sports fan, it is the account to get because that's where you will find every single Texas State event, sporting event. Yep, so that's probably the biggest thing this weekend. Uh, but we also talked about basketball. Um, both teams, you know, women's basketball had their one win uh, of conference, so we're going to see if they have some heat coming up. And then uh, basketball, men's basketball is tied for third in the conference, so that's a big deal. And then as we said, we had signing day yesterday. A lot of stuff happened there. So this is the beginning of, I think, like one of the craziest times of the year yeah, it, in it, terms of this sports. really. I remember when we went over the schedule, yeah. it was like, oh, my God, there's so much stuff going yeah. on. And that, we don't even count, like, the little stuff, like, track. 
is going on. Golf and tennis are getting oh, their season yeah. started. And you know I'm a track head, so actually that reminds me, Colton. I'm going to do a little, little bitty um, track update. So basically what's going on here is they've got uh, they've had three meets so far, and they've got one more meet before they have uh, the Sun Belt Indoor Championship. So it's divided into indoor and outdoor. Okay. So indoor championships are coming up in like two weeks or so. I think it's like February 24th or something like that. And the reason that this is such a big deal and the reason that I'm so into track is because we are good, guys. So women's track has had a three-peat as the champions in indoor track. So we are basically the Golden State Warriors of the Sunbelt yeah. Track meeting. Yeah, yeah. People might hate us at this point, <laughs> honestly. Um, so, yeah, so that's really uh, cool. And then the men's got third last year, and for the first time ever, they won the outdoor, men's did, last year. So, honestly, this was a really good time for me to get into track. Uh, yeah, so what's happening is this weekend they're going to Nebraska, so all these – all these meets before this are really far away. Mm-hmm. So they're going to Nebraska for this Frank Savine Husker invite this weekend. And then on February 24th is the indoor championships. So they've done really well so far. I talked to only two track people. I talked to um, Sadie Giles. She got first in both of the 60-meter dash before mm-hmm. when I talked to her. And then Jalen George, he was uh, in weight, uh, weight throwing. He was second and then third at both of his meets. So – that's just two of, like, so many athletes that you can pay attention to uh, and look at. Like, I mean, they're just – they're they're really talented. So, yeah, it's coming up, the indoor championships. That's all I'm going to say about track. Sorry, you reminded me. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's just a lot going on. Yeah, spring <laughs> is usually the most busiest time. Like, yeah. you know, falls, you know, we'll have, you know, our football team and the volleyball team. Mm. But then in spring, it's just like they cram everything in. Yeah. So, like, it's just been a busy time in the sport – and the University Star Sports Room, just trying to get everyone to cut. Like, yeah, we need someone here. We need someone here. Yeah. We need someone to write this. We need someone to write this. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I hired you at this time <laughs> because I was getting overwhelmed already. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot to keep up with, guys. Uh, the only things here this weekend are women's basketball games on Thursday, today, and Saturday, and then tune into the U.S. Uh, softball Olympic game. That's really crazy. Um, but yeah, do you have anything else? No, I think that is it. Well, I think we about just covered everything that's <laughs> yeah, going on. I think we did. So, yeah. Uh, once again, thanks, guys. Uh, see you later.